When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Welcome to episode 383 of the On the Corner podcast, the official PitchList.com podcast. I am your host, Nick Pollock, joined by the tearless Alex Fast. Never cried. Never cried in my entire life. Is that what you mean? Is that what you're talking about? No, because you don't have any tears on this. This is just like the most boring looking table. I've seen oh on God. the site. All you've been doing since we've gotten on the call together is just dunking on me. Is there any else, anything I mean, I, else that you would like to say? Yeah, I mean, I did my top 100 today. Um, mm. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. And all I can say is just mine is better. Mm. It came out today. It is better because it looks Friday. more like mine. It looks more like mine than the original one did. It says, okay, I, I saw on Reddit, I think somebody was like, what? You had Rasmussen at 29 just the other week. Mm. And I'm at 44. And it's we very are separate. Fast. We, we are separate, separate but different. Um, separate but different is not a thing that people say. Anyway, <laughs> hey, everybody. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Um, keep in mind, we have PL Pro. We're going to be giving out a discount very shortly to that. So look out for uh, an announcement later this week. Uh, to get $20 off uh, on yearly PL Pro. So go check that out. You'll get your actual draft calculator. You'll get live draft assistant tool. I uh, projections in season weekly and daily for fantasy and for FanDuel and DraftKings. Let's get to join our Discord, all that kind of stuff. Get PL Pro today for your fantasy drafts. Live draft assistant tool I use for every draft. I'm doing Tout Wars on Saturday and I'm using our live draft assistant tool. So uh, I believe in it. I hope you guys uh, enjoy it too. And Fast, you have a big article coming out soon, don't you? Yeah, um, hopefully get to come out this week. You got to get some people to take a look at it and make sure it's good to go. But an article about all the stuff that I've been hinting at about the finger pressure stuff, which is very exciting. A lot of crazy yeah. advancements going on there. So uh, gonna gonna release an article focused on what the findings were from that first study before we head back up to uh, drive line. Hopefully into a second study relatively soon. So very excited to oh, share man. that with some people. Been a been a journey for sure. Been a journey. It's been a journey. Yeah, uh, without a doubt. I feel bad. I feel bad for the people in the guillotine league with me right now, as apparently a pick was just made. And you know what? I've got a podcast to do. Mm-hmm. And what we're gonna do today is we're doing the second half, as promised, of Alex Fast Top 100. I know I just did my 100 today. We'll talk about it tomorrow. It's not gonna mm-hmm. change. Uh, but man, fast. Oh boy, we got them some things to talk about. And uh, I want to just understand this really quickly. So at the end of the last podcast, we talked about Chris Bassett, Lance Lynn. Jeffrey Springs at 46, 47 is Pablo Lopez, Brady Singer 48, mm-hmm. 49 is Kyle Wright. Now at 50, is this a new tier for you right at 50? No idea. No idea where the tiers start, where the tiers begin, where the tiers end. You said at the beginning of the podcast, just fully tearless, I know. right? Look, guys, I would... you got to understand, I do this every week where he gives me like 13 things to come up with with a theme, and I have yet 
to be able to do that as a host back onto Alex Fast. And yeah. I just I, I, I just wish I had my opportunity to do that. So maybe at some point I can get it out of him. But Lucas Giolito, mm-hmm. do you feel like, you know, his recent spring is encouraging you maybe to push him up a little bit more? How do you feel right now drafting Lucas Giolito? I mean, he couldn't get any worse for him, right? <laughs> I mean, I think there are definitely some signs and, and the spring training stuff is encouraging. I really do like the fact uh, that it's a walk year. And I think one of the things that we really wanted to see from him is what his spring training velocity looks like. And what has his spring training velocity looked like so far? Nick? It's been about 92, 93. And actually, at the yeah. end of last year, it was 91. Yeah. So I'm encouraged by this. Now, I'm with you. I even wrote down if we if we can see that he's sitting 93, 94, which he's a tick away from and which I believe he could theoretically get to over the course of the season. I don't think he's necessarily a bad flyer to take overall. We saw the the like a 340 Babbitt from him last year, which was a career high with a minimum of 50 innings. We saw 14 percent home run to fly ball rate. Um, and both of those things seem very likely just to regress overall. Um, I, I, he's capable of having a better year. And right now, the 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 price and drafts isn't bad enough that I think like there there are guys after him who have just as many warts you know granted they didn't necessarily have the season that he just had which was really bad but it's not like that season is a guarantee for him again I can see him kind of regressing in the positive way and like we mentioned the velocity signs are indicative of the fact that he should be able to bounce back sure um now I, I this is this is very interesting to me here uh, I'm going through this. Sonny Gray's mm-hmm. at 51. Jordan Montgomery, 52. Kodai Senga's 53. First of all, I have Grayson Rodriguez like 10 spots higher than you do, which is shocking to me. Yeah. He's at 54 for you. Why Why don't you have him higher? Um, I think that we're going to be very... I think we're going to see a better pitcher than we see a fantasy pitcher this year because... I'm just a little bit concerned about how he's going to be utilized. Like, I really do think that there's a really good chance that he's like 80 pitches and then just gets removed from the game. So you you do think it's going to be more of like a four innings and change, not a like normal start, but then limited in the season. Like, okay, we're going to now rest you a midseason or at least skip this start. Yeah, I think they might. I think they like he's. If Grayson Rodriguez was a prospect on the Rays and it was in his first year, I think we would evaluate him a little bit differently, right? Because we know that they'd be like, it would be like what we always say about Jeffrey Springs or Drew Rasmussen, right? Sure. Where it's like, we know that they are going to Mm -hmm. probably not have him go these full innings. And as a result, his value is going to get knocked. Also, you just don't know what you're going to get from rookie pitchers. And I can count far many more rookie pitchers that have not exceeded expectations or even met expectations their rookie year than guys who exceeded or came in at that level. So I think if we see natural struggles from a guy appearing because it's his rookie year, mixed in with the fact that he could just go four to five outing uh, innings for a lot of his outings, that requires a lot of like perfection from him, right? That mm-hmm. requires a lot of like, oh, just one earned run with seven Ks. And I just don't know if he's going to be capable of that. Listen, listen, I'm excited. I think he's going to be great. But as a as a as a fantasy player, I think if I'm tempering those expectations and baking in the fact that he could struggle naturally in his first year with the reduced innings, I, I have to bring him down a little bit. Sure. Uh, I'm completely different where I say you might as well go for this because right around 50, is where I think actually the top 51 are like the guys. I'm like, yes, I feel like all of these are going to help my fantasy teams this year. 
And after that, I just go, eh, whatever. And you mm-hmm. have them around, say, like Andrew Heaney, who could be a cherry bomb. Mm-hmm. Uh, could I sing it? We kind of don't know what we're going to get right now. We also just have that, that injury with a finger. He should be fine, but we don't know. There's a little bit of question mark there. Lance McCullers is at 56, and we have no idea when he's going to pitch. Uh, we, we don't even know that one. Uh, Tyler Malley, who hasn't been sitting 94, he's been sitting 93 in, in spring training. And a lot of these, like, I don't know. And Grayson Rodriguez, to me, if I have him on my team, I mean, I don't think it, there's going to be a moment where I'm upset that I have Grayson Rodriguez on my team this year. I don't believe that. I mean, I think the chances are in that favor of, yeah, this is a very, we know how good of a pitcher he is. Mm-hmm. So that that's where I stand with it. Uh, I also believe that this is, you know, you can't possibly fathom that you have a legit starting pitcher on the Orioles. It's, it's just so hard. You're going <laughs> to deny it until it actually happens. And even then, you're going to say, give it another week or two. You know, I, it's I, going to be 2027. Grayson Rodriguez has two Cy Youngs. <laughs> and you're going to say, I don't know. 53. Yeah, I, I do think that like, I, I kind of, if I'm being honest, I appreciate the fact that I have an anti-Oriole bias as opposed to a right. pro-Oriole bias. You know what I mean? Like, I'm never going to be like, yeah. no one's ever going to accuse me of that. I will say, if you wanted to talk tears, Kodai, Grayson, Andrew Heaney, and McCullers are maybe in their own kind of individual tier because- What's it called and why is it called that? I need a category. I need a category. Um, the category uh, this week is going to be um, alcoholic drinks. Alcoholic drinks. Um, okay. So. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, it's going to be, uh, I think it's pronounced Lafroig. Lafroig. Yeah. Lafroig. Lafroig. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be Lafroig. a very tiny glass of Lafroig because you don't know how much of it you're going to get, but it's going to be delicious when you get it, right? That's kind of mm. what I think because I, I don't project Kodai, Grayson, Andrew, or Lance McCullers for more than like 140, 150 innings, right? Sure. Um, Heaney, the reason I put him right below is because he's likely going to have a worse ERA and likely going to have a worse whip, but it would not surprise me if he had more innings and a higher K rate than Grayson Rodriguez, right? Because I don't know how much necessarily he's going to change. And you said that went until about like Lance McCullers, right? Yeah, because Lance McCullers is the same okay. way. Like as of right now, even like honestly, the the issue that Lance McCullers has right now didn't really change too much of my projection because you know you're not getting more than 130 I, anyway. I don't, I don't understand though. You got to explain this to me. There's something I'm missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have that tier of that you don't. It's going to be delicious. You don't know how much you're going to get, and then you have Jesus Lazardo at 63, mm-hmm. uh, who you know is about 10 spots lower than Grayson Rodriguez is at 54. Why the big gap? Well, that's a, that's a super valid point, actually. I guess you can definitely make a case that Jack Flaherty and Jesus Cesardo should be more at the back end of that. To me, though, for Jesus Cesardo, I, I project like 110 innings. Like, I just truly do not believe with the track record mm-hmm. that we have of him that he is capable for for more than that. Um, but I think that's a very valid point that it's like, well, if you're going to have a tier like that, then you might as well include a dude like that there. That was my original thinking. But yeah, that's a totally valid point. Okay, so it's uh, Luis Garcia at 57, uh, Tyler Malley at 58, Alex Comba at 59, Kenta Maeda at 60, Nathan Evaldi 61, Jack Flaherty 62, and I'm going to say the end of it is Luzardo at 63 to make sure mm-hmm. you don't have to do another one of this. They're all kind of in that same vein because Alex Cobb is not necessarily the pinnacle of health. Kenta sure. Maeda coming back from Tommy John, Evaldi the same way. Um, my comments quickly on this are that Jack Flaherty hasn't looked that impressive in the spring. Uh, and I'm a little worried that he's not getting any slider whiffs. His velocity is still down. Mm. Um, and we haven't seen 
Jack Flaherty actually be locked in for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just seems, I don't know if I want to do that. Which one of these do you think you're going to be targeting the most in your drafts? Um, so between Kodai up to Flair, up to Lazardo? Yeah. Let's go I actually, that. if you don't mind, might include Garrett Whitlock too, because theoretically his innings he are would. probably going to be just as capped. Right? Sure. I mean, John Gray then is at 65, also has some sort of injury question too. Yeah, that's where I think I see a little bit more of like a, I don't want to say a talent drop off, but yeah, I think there's a little bit more of a gap there. Um, mm-hmm. So like the the question, like, all right, I would be, I'm usually more averse to some of these like injury guys, like Heaney kind of scares me a little bit, though I have to recognize that there's upside. Um, so who would I kind of be aiming for? Since I like to play it a little bit more safe, Tyler, I would have said Tyler Molly last week. Uh, I don't think I would say Jack Flaherty. Honestly, honestly, I want to see you be brave. Um, I think I would uh, I would take Garrett Whitlock. I know that mm. he's going to start the year in the IL. Yeah, I don't know, man. The more that I looked at it, I was actually talking with Alex Chamberlain about this and we started a quiet little Whitlock love affair. He has this <laughs> this 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 backdoor sinker that's that's really beautiful. I mean, it's it's not as precise yet. Like there are definitely moments where that can leak over the heart of the plate and get hammered. But he has a changeup that's really really good. He's got a slider that I really think can take a step forward. Do you know what his slider Babbitt was last year? I think it was like four ten. Yeah, it was insane. His uh, his slider Babbitt just to right handed hitters was five hundred. <laughs> Yeah. That is, that's, oh, I knew that. I, uh, it was a very small sample, of course. Uh, yeah. It wasn't too often put into play. You also had some crazy things like 19% swing strike rate on a sinker to lefties, which is what? Yeah. Um, There's, but I do yeah. but I do think it is a small sample situation, um, kind of Aaron Nola-esque in the way that Whitlock would locate sinker's glove side nearly exclusively. Um, and that could work. Absolutely. Uh, my hesitations are, of course, the delay to start the year. We don't really know how much it's yeah, going to be affecting him. And, uh, you know, there's oftentimes I see things like this. We're like, whoa, you had a 22.5% swing strike rate on your slider last year. Oh, you're young and you threw like 50 innings or something like you didn't throw the sample that I would really want to get to. Right. And there's that. So I have Whitlock lower than you do Mm -hmm. um, because I feel like there is, you know, I would rather have Redetmers on my team and know that for an answer right away. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't need to do that with Garrett Whitlock in my view. Um, by the way, on Reed Detmers very quickly, velocity's up. Uh, he's up about a tick or two um, in the spring of the reports I'm seeing. Has that slider whiff rate going up? I was a little more hesitant, maybe not believing that the curveball and the fastball were as good as I wanted them to be. But I don't know. Are you, I mean, you have him at 67, Reed Detmers, um, as we start a new team. And we'll get to that in a second. But uh, how do you feel about Detmers? It feels like you're low on him. And you're not going to have him on your teams. Yeah, and it isn't well. What the velocity right now is? What what is he sitting at the moment? Like how how much of a jump did he take? Uh, the reports that I saw were ninety four to ninety six. Ninety four to ninety six. Okay, so that's pretty substantial. Um, I think when it comes to yet. Detmers, I want to. Mo- by the way, everybody, monitor that one. It could just be something that falls down the next time. Like we got to get something more secure than that. Yeah, I I think the stuff overall, I'm not too convinced about. Like by stuff plus metrics and by PLV metrics, the the four seam is not great. The slider is not that great. The curveball is well below average. The changeup is well below average. Well, I do want to mention the slider second half way better than the first half. Sure. Yeah, that's the big deal about the slider. 
But then again, nothing with the four seam or the curveball or the change. Yeah, the four seam, the curveball, right? That's what I'm expressing. Is that yeah. that's my concern with them? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm obviously, as you've mentioned, uh, like the the improvements in the second half, which were substantial, right? He goes from a four eleven pitcher over the first seventy innings uh, in terms of ERA to a three thirty six ERA over his final fifty nine innings. Um, like you mentioned, it's all because of the slider, right? One fifty three woba in July. Gets up to a 307 in August. Uh, still still a good amount of, of chases. Um, I still think he's... Well, no, he's not too much of an injury, which, which is a, a positive thing. I like that he's able to elevate consistently with the four-seamer. But I think that we're Try relying... in there and then all of a sudden... Yeah, that's not bad. I just don't know. And maybe maybe the four seamer helps. Maybe I mean maybe the maybe the velocity helps in that he becomes like a Shohei Otani where he's like, hey, this four seamer isn't that good, but I can pump it in at ninety six miles mm-hmm. an hour, and as a result, the the, the subpar. Um, uh, I get I stuff. get a sense. I get a sense also that you you mix in the, the uh, an actual good slider for half of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry, for, like that you had for half of the year for consistently. It makes that fastball better. Um, yeah, it, it does. Just uh, just from a result standpoint, I think the actual shape and everything is fine with the curveball. It's just um, a lot of how he had to use it was just kind of too much last mm-hmm. year. I don't know. I, I keep going back on it. I mean, he's also like 23, <laughs> you know, yeah. and angels. I get it. Angels. What's well, a new? Apparently, it's a new pitching coach, too, which is interesting yeah. and exciting. We don't know. You just don't uh, know there. We don't we don't know how to factor that in. Low, um, but I understand what your concerns completely. I do want to ask uh, this John Gray tier. Where would you say mm-hmm. this ends? John Gray, Jose Brios, Reed Detmers, Jameson Tyone, Patrick Sandoval, Marcus Stroman, Shamanaya, Tony Gonsolin. Where, where, stop me when the tier ends, please. Trevor yeah. Rogers. I think Trevor Rogers would be it, but maybe maybe Michael Kopech, Ross Stripling, Miles Michaelis, Merrill Kelly. Now you get to Toby yeah, that's Yeah, I would say it probably ends maybe around Kopech. Okay, so what is it called and why is it called that? Oh my God, I have no idea. Fast. These aren't, you, I told you I have no tears. I don't know. I, 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 I just like, gave John Gray to, to Michael Kopech. Deal with it fast. All right, great. It's it's a it's an old fashioned because you're making me want to drink more than anything right now. That's why it's called an old fashioned. Because you're making me want to drink. Uh, I was. I, I would actually say see... the Tobies should be old fashioned because they're Tobies. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I wanted to try and take a look at where the um, where the PLV projections uh uh have um. Oh my god, who were we just talking about? Tony Gonsolin? Who do you want here? Reed Detmers? No. Yeah, Reed Detmers. Where were the Tony? Oh, yeah, probably where, where probably not favorable. Okay. You um, know, I mean, keep my PLV projections are it's ATC, but then merged with our PLV stuff. And if they don't have a favorable PLV, it's just gonna make those ATC ones worse. Right? Yeah. Uh and I would not expect that. I mean, it does it does emphasize second half a little bit more. Um, like a little more. Uh, than the first half so it's not but terrible it's it's a 394 yeah. era with a yeah, 123 whip and a 24 percent k rate so okay. i think where our differentiation is there is you're probably taking the under right on all those you're probably taking the under on era and maybe oh, no, 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 no 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 i'm not doing any over under no 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 do not get me wrong here you're okay. playing a best ball league okay yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm not playing a best ball league yeah Okay, I, I'm see a guy who could develop very quickly and I can make a quick decision on them. I do like to believe that Reed Detmers is going to be better than that. But I also like the fact 
that instead of Jose Barrios, who's one ahead at 66, we're, we're never going to get an answer on Jose Barrios. Mm-hmm. The idea that he's going to do something demonstrably different out of nowhere in the, in April, it says, oh, you know what? This is the new Jose Barrios, and all the articles come out on May 15th. Sure. The new thing that Jose Barrios did, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. So I'm not going to be able to make a decision on that. That is where I would say, like, all right, projection, guide me. <laughs> Steer me to the promised land through the muddled waters of despair. And sure. Reed Detmers, well, at least we'll have some insight on that. So I'm okay. going to have him higher. All right. Um, all right. Sorry, I, I, I digressed. I digressed us. Yeah, old fashioned. So I uh, so of this tier, who who do you think is the most interesting one um, that you want to talk about? Because I don't have any indications of like change or going up or down. I mean, to me here, um, we talked about Reed Detmers, who I thought was interesting. Uh, Patrick Sandoval is someone that I some people absolutely adore. The Irish Panda, as we call him here mm-hmm. at PitcherList. Um, I'm worried about the whip for Patrick Sandoval. Do you see anything? underlying here that could push him farther than 69 where you have him now man maybe we're just seeing a pattern with these angels pitchers but between otani sandoval and detmers we're talking they don't have them yeah we're just talking about really bad fastballs right and maybe 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 just like we would give the guardians the benefit of the doubt with kind of poor fastballs but elite breaking pitches but they have two options maybe we give the the angels more of the benefit of the doubt and you could probably say that with with sandoval right because he's got the slider and he's got the change up so maybe that that is going to allow him to kind of get by on being um a uh a, 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 you know get by without a, a good fastball he's also like there were certain things that just like clearly point towards regression right like you don't mm-hmm. have a one three whip and a like a high two ERA, like you, that. Those things, yeah, like just, just, yeah, they don't pair up. And if there's one thing that's going to change, I don't actually think it. It's going to be the whip, right? I do think it's that usually the, the, the ERA. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's going to be. I mean, they're both not sticky year over year, but he's also like a guy who's like his home run to fly ball rate was like six percent. Like so, there's <laughs> there's there's just like plenty of stuff indicating that it's going to come back down to earth. Um. I mean, I guess, you know, the BABIP stuff, it was a little bit elevated, which makes sense why we saw the whip be what it was at like 1.34. So, yeah, I don't want to say that, like, I'm out. I, I, you know, past Alex would have been like the four seam is so bad. There's just no way he's going to compete. But now I I can I can I can understand a world in in which he would, uh, you know, be happens when you have a kid. You all of a sudden a little bit more optimistic. Um, It changes a lot of things. (laughs) But that I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe. maybe well, that's what we're gonna is. we're gonna discuss all the things that it changes after this break. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization, so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 
98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Most weight loss programs are short-term fixes, but the problem is managing your weight needs a long-term solution. And that's what makes Noom different. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight today and in the future. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. So what are some of those changes, Fast? Tell us all about them. About fatherhood? Yeah. Oh, God. Some of the beneficial changes of fatherhood, you just worry so much, but you As also you like... needed more of that in your life. <laughs> Uh, but you do. Ex- I had such a long, awful day at work today, and so much changes when you come home and there's a baby who's like blah, 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 just staring at you, and it's uh, very I'm sorry. Cute. What are they like? Yeah, you you're, you're gonna yeah, play that back, make it yeah, make that your new subscription tone on, on Twitch. <laughs> I might actually do that. I'm not even kidding. Uh, um, this tier is is really filled with a lot of interesting dudes because there are guys like Marcus Stroman where you're like. You know what? Fine. You're probably going to get the same thing. You're probably going to take He's a little bit of a step forward. He's going very late, Marcus Stroman. I just got him in the guillotine league because in the guillotine league, mm. it's like, hey, do you have a good start for the first couple of weeks? Awesome. Go with that. And he gets the Cubs. Mm. Uh, sorry. As a, a member of the Cubs, he gets the Brewers first. Great to see. James Tyone is two ticks higher than, than Stroman on here. I dig that. Mm. Um, I like what Tyone is. Uh, it does look like he has something different going on with the Cubs right now. I awesome things there and it's just very safe it just feels fine it's starting against yeah. the brewers and and go with that now you also have sean Manaya though at 71 and maybe that 94 mile per hour velocity is legit and that gets you hyped up doesn't it yeah it does i mean like i, I know that michael ahead was you know publishing some pieces on him i think the uptick in velocity is obviously exciting the, the injuries are always going to be a concern from him um He's still got some really good pitches by by PLV and by Stuff Plus. Uh, obviously, a pretty big difference from the 391 ERA, 366 FIP he put up in 170 innings over 2021 and the near five ERA that he put up in about 160 frames in San Diego. Um, y- y- we saw the sinker move arm side a little bit more. I personally wonder if that impacted the change up at all. The sinker wasn't necessarily the problem. It, it maintained its whiffs. It, it lowered the Woba to around 300. The change up was just like, it was just not great. Neither were the breaking pitches, the change up. He couldn't get any whiffs out of the zone at all, which has usually not been the case for him. The Babbitt jumped up. Um, the breaker like just lost its ability to get whiffs out of the zone too. It went from, you know, being able to get ground balls at a relatively good clip to just being a, fly ball machine and you know a lot of those fly balls just kind of left the yard so i that's kind of all to say that like he's had moments of of kind of glory 
right? And right. I think with this increase in velocity, yeah. say it again. Yeah, Sean and I, you've had some moments. Yeah, that no hitter. It was yeah, cool. that no hitter. Yeah, with that second half, that was I think really good along with that no hitter. But I don't know. I think if you were at those kind of flyers, right? Because we're in the seventies, aren't we? Um, oh, we're at yeah, the, yeah we're at the mid seventies or yeah. low 70s, excuse me. So I think when I hear the increased velocity and I see that there is substantial, or I don't want to say substantial, and I see that there is upside and the things that I think made him poor are things that he could theoretically change, then yeah, I'm, I'm going to get a little bit interested in that. So I, I want to be clear here. This is a 12-teamer, correct? This top 100? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, and I, we're going to move on to the not old-fashioned, old-fashioned tier. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is Ross Stripling, Miles Michaelis, Merrill Kelly, and Tyler Anderson. I'm not going to okay. include Hunter Brown in there. I don't feel like we can. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not even going to make you do a tier name here because I gave it for you. All right. What was it? It's old, not old fashioned, old fashioned. Oh, the not. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because I was literally thinking it, this one is actually more of an old fashioned because you're right. Where I it's know. like It's just, a, it's an old standby. Right. Right. The thing is, I, I preach this endlessly. I do not draft Toby's. I just did mine today. I put Merrill Kelly at the bottom. I don't even think I had Miles Michaelis inside my top 100 because there are so many interesting guys to chase. I mean, fast, be honest with me. Are you just going to settle for Miles Michaelis instead of getting Matthew Boyd in your 12 teamers when it's like the 20th round? I, I genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, believe, really believe it depends on roster construction. Like I know, but I like, can what see, kind of roster are you going to have that you want Miles Michaelis? One that takes a lot of risk early on. Like You're I do think do that. that. My, <laughs> I do, what do you mean? Oh, oh, me personally? Yeah, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without a doubt, that's very true. I would never do that because I'm too tempered. But if you right. do, Miles Michaelis will will provide you value and will be an anchor yeah. for your rotation. Yeah, I don't know if that's true. An anchor for your rotation? I think there's a possible. I think it's realistic to think he gets you 195 innings of a mid three ERA with a competitive whip in a roto league. That is incredibly valuable. This is uh, look at it too, man. He had one blip. He had one blip year so far, and I think what we saw last year was the blip year might have been more of the exception to the rule. Right, this is a top fifty pitcher by the player rater standards last year. There were not substantive changes for him. He didn't really change up too much. The four seamer had a twelve percent swinging strike rate last year for Miles Michaelis with a two seventy five woba. Like he put up legitimate numbers over very very large sample sizes. There are things that he could do to theoretically make tweaks. I just I don't know. I just don't know if he's all of a sudden going to be like a four ERA pitcher again. Well, okay. Um, I guess my point is really for a 12-teamer, right? I, 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 I hamper on this a lot, saying, look, the, the waiver wire pool is so much better than you think it is. Mm-hmm. And settling for Miles Michaelis, when he has a bad first matchup, that you're not going to start him in any way, is not what you want to do in your draft. You want to get Matthew Boyd and see if that is legit. Because that actually could be something that really pushes the needle for your team. And Miles Michaelis, to me, about 3.9 FIP last year. You know, a sub 20% K rate. It's it's a Toby, the Tobyth degree. And I, I just, I, I look, Hunter Brown is underneath us at 79. Mm-hmm. And Hunter Brown is someone that has the fifth job right away for the Astros. Could hold on to it, honestly, for the entire year. Because who knows what the state of that rotation is going to be when Lance McCullers comes back. 
right? Sure, you want to say, oh, he's only unlimited 140, 150 innings. Hunter Brown, by every understanding we have here, is not someone who you put him in your lineup and he just has a trash season for you mm-hmm. at this moment. I'm not saying that necessarily he's guaranteed to have a 3-5 ERA or something like that. But the weight of his impact, I would argue, is larger than Miles Michaelis and worthy at this point in your draft to chase that higher ceiling than settling for Miles Michaelis or Merrill Kelly. That's how I see it. I understand this is not the same thought process of everyone. You're saying it's it's roster construction as well. Mm-hmm. And if you're taking a lot of risk early, well, I think all of us are going to say, don't take a lot of risk early. You got to, you got it can't be at a point in your draft where it's like, oh no, I need to take Miles Michaelis. Like that, yes, there is risk that in, in your draft. You can take some, a little bit here and there. But if you're saving grace in a 12 teamer, it's Miles sure. Michaelis. Not, not good. I know, I hear you. you. I mean, I think the counter to that, if it, it, that's like saying if you're saving grace as a top 50 pitcher, which is what he was, right? You know what I mean? Like, I think we're, we're, we're denigrating the work that he did last year that was okay, a fantasy okay, okay. viable pitcher. All right, I got to push I hear, back. I hear your point. I, I, I got to push back on the whole top 50 pitcher thing by player Raider, all that stuff. Essentially, if you have like 195 innings without mm-hmm. the worst ERA ever or the worst whip mm-hmm. ever, you're going to be rated well there. But the idea okay. here is that when you get like 130 innings from someone else, you're getting 130 innings and then you get something else off of the wire. And those two mm-hmm. combined are going to is, is, is essentially the same thing, if not better because at least you're taking a chance for it for the accumulated stats to be far better than what miles michaelis was right you understand that so yeah, it's you. not you know it, it's it's not a best ball league it's not a you know in your 12 teamers i don't know this is my whole thing about no that. i know I, I, yeah I, I, I hear what you're saying rambly <laughs> for brown too i mean obviously there's a lot of upside for brown i'm excited about brown now that you know at this point when these rankings were made um, yeah, he got he had the fifth job, but I was still like there were still kind of rumblings about like uh, what's his name. There was another reliever who's in long relief for them that they were like maybe considering being their number five right now. Um, no, no, no. Oh, this man. was like a week and a half ago. It was. Um, oh, you mean like Josh James? <laughs> no, God, remember Josh James? We talked oh, we were so excited, him. fast. We yeah. were so excited about Josh James. For Brown, though, I, I I don't know. Like I personally projected the innings around like one fifteen, um, and like you said. We don't know. He could come in and never lose the job because of injuries that happen left or right, or he's just performing so well that they're like, we're a six man now and we want to keep McCullers innings down or whatever. I think a lot of people are still denying the fact that he had command issues pretty bad in the minor leagues. He had an 11% walk rate in AAA over, if I recall correctly, a pretty substantive sample. Now, I in I don't know what's going to happen with that next year. I don't know if all of a sudden he's going to fix his command issues or if maybe he'll get down to like a 9% or an 8% or make huge strides there. But there are some of those warts there. And then, yeah. So when yeah. it comes to that versus Kelly, I mean, excuse me, that versus Michaelis, I get same, it. Same, are you same thing. Doesn't matter. Kelly, Michaelis, whatever. They really are. I, I kept trying to like separate them and I was like, why? What's the point? Yeah. Like, what's yeah, the, the, point? Uh, the I think what you ultimately did, correct me if I'm wrong, you said it's the Cardinals versus the Diamondbacks. And you said, uh, yeah. That's probably yeah. what I would have done. 
Yeah, I it might have been it. I de- yeah, I definitely have Michaelis projected for a few more uh, wins with maybe a better ERA. Kelly, there were some numbers like where with the bounciness of the ball kind of scared me a little bit. Where it was mm-hmm. like I think Chase really helped suppress a lot of uh, the contact that he gave up for the defense for the Diamondbacks is better, which is crazy to say, right? Yeah. Right, because we don't know what it's going to be year over year. First of all, they actually, it, I, you know what? I, I'll. It's not a bold take. I don't think there's going to be any way whatsoever that a team that got rid of Dalton Varsho, uh, who was very good defensively for them, is going to be better defensively than the team with with Nolan Arenado. But then again, I don't know about any of their other prospects' defensive ability, so maybe I'm totally wrong. But it's such a unsticky we'll stat. Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, to your point about Hunter Brown, I understand exactly where you're coming from about like, hey, the history of walk rates. I also remember pushing back on him saying sub 10% swing strike rate on his four seamer doesn't quite, mm. uh, elevate like we want him to. And I put him at 51 because I kind of like him more than the other ones, but the other ones I don't, I look at him. So I don't really know. I don't, I don't love anyone else after some might as well ch- uh, chase Hunter Brown, but. But yeah, we'll see there. Right, we're going to move on here. Um, you got Eric Lauer at 80, um, Kyle Brash at 81, Tywin mm-hmm. Walker at 82, Eric Cabrera at 83, Ronson Contreras at 84, Jose Arquiti 85. I, I'm trying to figure out where tier is here, and it doesn't exist, does it? No, doesn't. Maybe if I was thinking of what a tier name would be, I'd call it like a pickleback because sometimes you just need to like hold your nose and take it, even though I'm a big fan of uh, oddly enough of, of pickle juice, which is kind of crazy to say. But there are a few people around here that like I, I honestly wanted to have Ronzi Contreras a little bit lower. I like was trying to acknowledge some of my personal biases and was making sure that I was trying to evenly weight the upside and the downside to him. So I ended up raising him a little bit more. There are just so many things when it comes to Contreras that have me like a little bit concerned. Um, his numbers at a, as a starter were were not bad, right? 87 in the third innings, 381 ERA, 443 FIP and a 20% K rate and a 10% walk rate and a 131 wit is not great. The four seam really scares me. I mean, it just gets absolutely destroyed at times. It we're really not talking does. about it. Yeah, we're not talking about a dude like like Detmers or Sandoval where it's like, yeah, his four seems not that great, but whatever. This gave up a, a near 400 WOBA uh, with a 416 X WOBA and a 43% hard contact rate. And he also was like, you know what? I'm going glove side to righties and I don't get it because when he yeah. does, which is like also like, hey, where's your barrel going to be? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go right there. And when he does, <laughs> he wait, gave up you a universally. F- you're universally against fastballs away to right handers. Um, when they return a 462 Woba and a 50% <laughs> hard contact rate. Yeah, yeah, I am. Uh, yeah, okay. I, listen, I, I think there is a solution for uh, there, there's a combination that works for any person, right? You see guys like, you know, Galsman used to, you know, bring his sinker low and put it over the heart of the plate. And you can't say, hey, stop doing that because it was fantastic for him when it worked. So if I looked at what Ronzi Contreras was doing and it returned a sub 200 Woba, I'd be like, huh, he really throws that four-seamer glove side a lot and it works for him and maybe that's why his slider works but it doesn't at all and to be honest yeah. uh, here's the thing i i bet if i went to someone who worked at the pittsburgh pirates organization and i was like why does he throw that four-seamer glove side so much they'd be like so here's the thing he doesn't know where he's throwing it he doesn't know right. where it's going and it just ends up glove side a lot right yeah, I've that's kind of what i think is happening you know I, I i say hey can you tell this person to put it there it goes yeah but they never do that. 
Yeah. Like, all right, that's fair. That's very fair. Yeah. So, so I, I don't want to like dunk on him too much, but like I, I kept him in the top 100 because it's tough to deny how nasty that slider is. I mean, he's I did. super young. You did. You kept <laughs> yeah, him out of the top 100 because I don't want to yeah. draft him. I, I yeah. don't want to draft Ronzi Contreras. And I, look, I found enough guys to chase. David Peterson could get a start against the Marlins to start the year. Mm-hmm. That's that's a really good slider that could work. Right. I mean, there are there are a lot of players that could find their way onto this list. And Ronson Contreras, if I have him on my roster, I don't feel good starting him. And yeah. I don't know what I'm going to have to see. I have to see him go 97 and sit there on his four-seamer. We haven't seen that since he was in relief. So, yeah, I'm I'm not in at all here. I'm going to... There's one other person here that I got wanted to provide some thoughts on. And I'm going to provide what is... No! Well, arguably some of the no, best no, uh, no, some of the no, best analytics no, that I can no, right no, after this break. No! Eating is an emotional experience, which is why managing your weight needs to be a psychological one. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. So fast. All right. Mm-hmm. You wanted to provide more analysis on one of the longest lead-ins to the ad break as I've had this entire time on this podcast. Yeah. Who is it? Uh, it's Noah Syndergaard. I, mm-hmm. like I said, I try to pride myself with the amount of anxiety I have when it comes <laughs> to preparing... Yeah, as a, as a, yeah, as a man of faith, I sit here today saying, uh, so I, I, uh, there is no great analysis that I'm about to give you for Noah Syndergaard. Other well, than all right, fact, let's move on to the next guy. Then. <laughs> other than the fact that the Los Angeles Dodgers are a far smarter organization than I am. And any of us you are. are. <laughs> Yeah, they 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 possess people who are Alex far smarter. The organization. Yeah, exactly. My LLC. If they are interested in signing that man, even with the not great stuff we have seen in spring, I am convinced that it is for a reason. Right now, his velo is not back. And I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe they turn him into a pitcher that's much more serviceable for pitching as opposed to for fantasy purposes. But. I wanted him here because I am petrified that they are going to do to him what they kind of did to Heaney, which is like, we you've got enough in your arsenal that we're going to optimize it better than anyone has ever optimized it. And that's why I couldn't not put him in the top 100. Fast, you have him at 86. You just gave a whole thing like he's at 55. He, he was higher before. He was. I have him at 81 and I'm like out. <laughs> 
See, here's the thing. I don't know if I could be out on any of these guys that are in the top 100. Like, I'm, there's a part of me that's well, in on right. every I mean, single that's, one of them. That, that's the thing is that we we see the path to all these things working out. And it made it, if you saw my stream today, it was like four hours. And I spent three hours, hours of it with my head in my hands because I was like, how mm. am I possibly going to do this? And yeah, because I could see a case for all of these guys, right? Syndergaard's velocity isn't quite there yet. I need, really need to see slider whiffs before I'm sold, but he gets Rocky Road first. Mm. Rocky Road's pretty dang good. Yeah. Now, there is something to be said about Rocky Road happening the first week of the season. So they aren't necessarily tuned to cores yet. Oh, that's a good which point. Which means that they might be a little bit better in April than in September. That's something someone can look up. That would be really cool to see. Mm. Is, are, is Colorado traditionally worse on the road through the season? That would make all the sense in the world to me. That actually is very interesting. Um, but aha, another stat right here, guys. Yeah. Um, I, I see like Jose Arquita, which makes sense because if you didn't know that he was 91-93 in that spring start and getting rocked, then I would normally have him like at 60 or something. Um, is that part of the reason why you do this with Jose Arquita, or is that just completely regardless of that? Um, no, that was regardless of that. I mean, Arquita, sorry, I just got very distracted because uh, Jeff Passon just had a very funny tweet about how for the first time ever in history, and for the only time likely ever in history, there was just a perfect game that ended with a walk-off hit in the eighth inning, as Puerto Rico blanks Israel ten to nothing on the mercy rule, uh, and they oh, complete wow. the mercy rule, but ends in a perfect game over four pitchers, which is which is very funny. I don't uh, bouncing back to Rikidi. I don't know if I think that the season that he had is kind of indicative of the actual pitcher that he is. Um, the K's dropped a lot. He stopped going to the slider as much in two strike counts, which was kind of interesting. Um, very prevalent in right-handed hitters. He doesn't really go to the pitch a lot for lefties. Lefties saw a heavier dose of curveballs than ever in two-strike counts, fewer change-ups, fewer four-seamers, fewer four-seamers overall. And this is conjecture, but you've heard me talk about this a lot in the cast, which is like, it seems as if when there is a cutter that is introduced to the arsenal, that something happens with the four-seamer. Yeah, this um, is your theory that you had last year. Yeah, and it's it's from David Cohen. I mean, David Cohen just kept talking to me about that, saying like, "Yeah, that happens. Like that that is a thing that happens." And he's won a lot more baseball games than me, so I'm <laughs> I'm gonna believe it. Um, just like the he Dodgers. was overall, huh? Just like the Dodgers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really just slapping myself down. Um, he was just less effective overall in two strike counts across the four seamer, across the slider, across the curveball. Um, I don't know. I, I I think some of the steps that he made with the four seamer can theoretically uh, jump back a little bit. He has a get. He has he has a path to kind of get back to what he was, but if he does, like, so what? The the ceiling is that higher than like a twenty two percent K rate with like a a high three ERA and an OK WHIP? I just don't know if there's like enough that's like if there's enough like additional ceiling where I'm like, yeah, that's a guy I'm circling on draft day. You know, so fun stuff here, by the way. Uh, Ryan Bloomfield just put out another one of his bloom boards, and it's about PLV. And fast, can you guess? This is the biggest first half and second half PLV gainer. This is from Ryan Bloomfield. Can you guess who that would be? Um, a hint, I, I'm happy I'm asking you. Oh, that's funny. So the, my first thought would have been 
Hunter Green and biggest second half you gainers. You would think that, honestly, but I think I guess we just liked it all the way through. This is a uh, seventy plus plus pitch starts only. Uh, yeah, no, it's not. It's not Hunter Green. I mean, other ones on here: Blake Snell, Spencer Strider. Actually, Patrick Sandoval and Reed Detmers are five and six on this list, but someone Patrick had a thirty-five point difference. Um, you're, if you're it's not here, I would it. say probably Aaron Savali. Um, no, I'm gonna say it's Spencer Watkins. Oh, really? Yeah, it's your boy going from a four six nine PLV, which is definitely below average, to a five zero four, which is above average. And someone that we did talk about today was the biggest loser in PLV, going from a five twelve to a four eight two, negative thirty. Difference from the first half to the second half. And this is not a fun list. You have Alec Manoa, Frankie Montes, Madison Bumpgarner, Brad Keller, Jose Arquiti, Chris Archer, Braxton Garrett, Ryan Feltner, JT Brubaker. Oh, yeah, not great. I mean, again, PLV works, guys. I <laughs> Can you guess who it is? Someone who you're maybe a little encouraged about. And that we actually talked about or was on the list? We actually talked about. Manaya then. Yeah, it's Manaya. Yep. It is. Yeah, but that's all that's right. not why I mean, we're excited because it's ninety. Yeah, the Velo. Great stuff. Ryan Bloomfield. Give him a follow at Ryan BHQ. It's really awesome to see PLV on his Bloom boards, which are famous at this point. Mm. Um, really cool to see it. Um, we're gonna move on here uh, as you continue with because we don't have too much time left. Make a little bit long. As oh, I was just about to talk about my own top one hundred, but not gonna do that. You had someone at eighty one here, and you. I don't know if you know him too well. His name is Kyle Bradish. Mm. <laughs> How do you feel about Kyle Bradish? Are you actually going to be drafting him? That's so funny. You mean the guy we're only five spots away on now? Is that right? Yep, you're 86. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. I'm 81, so we're pretty Yeah, similar. I'm not drafting Kyle Bradish. Like, if they're in it's the 80s so or the me. 90s, like, I'm not going to be drafting them in all likelihood because it's just, I, I very much expect other guys that I'm far higher on than ADP. I'm just going to get those guys. I recognize yeah. that Kyle, Bra- like, you know me with the list. It's like, okay, he has, obviously he has upside. Slider and curveball, both really good. But it's just about consistency with it. And I don't want to pull him from the depths of 130 to bring him back onto the list if that were to happen, right? Yeah. That's all. I don't think, he. it's it's funny. We're kind of like establishing for a theme for the entire podcast, which is guys oh, what who is have that? really good breaking pitches and do not have yeah, there you go. Um, any four-seamers. But, Increased four-seam velocity, which is really interesting, and just kind of an ideal pitching backwards candidate, right? Like, this is a guy who can throw sliders in and out of the zone, right? He can throw sliders for strikes when he needs to, which I kind of dig. So if he can get to a spot where he's doing that with a little bit more consistency, um, I don't necessarily mind that. I like that he's, you know, sitting 95 in spring. There were peaks and valleys, right? I mean, we saw upside last year. We saw a lot of downside, but we saw upside. We saw that game against the Astros, which is almost obligatory to bring up for him. Um, right. Yeah. But we also saw, you know, four and four and a third with six run runs against the Rays. And um, the slider and the curveball, like you said, like, so you've got two plus pitches right plv has the slider at 74th percentile 17 percent swing strike rate 243 x woba 75th percentile um 278 woba overall uh which you know again if we're looking at the x woba theoretically says that that could come down um i think maybe he could theoretically make some strides 
in terms of whiffs with the curveball, even though it's not really a great whiff pitch, just a 30% O swing, but he induces a lot of weak contact with it. So I think if, again, we're in the mid-80s, we're looking at a guy who has increased velocity on his worst pitch and already has two pitches that he can go to, that's an interesting flyer for me to take. I would say he really has one at the moment. The curveball is 37th percentile with strike rate on it, um, which is just about 57%, a little bit over that. The PLV on it is average um, mm. at the moment. He actually has a negative Q minus B percentage, which you don't want to have. That's quality minus bad pitch. So he's more often bad than he is quality with it. Uh, not by much, but it's still negative. So I really see a guy who explodes with a slider when he has those great outings and sometimes and when the curve isn't detrimental, right? When it is actually more of the good than the bad. And that fastball, you know what I hate about that fastball. Um, I think it has too much cut action. It makes it far yep. too hittable. And it's why I had an 8% swing strike rate last year, 33rd percentile, right? And Kyle Bradish to me needs to get more out of the curveball. We're talking about that velocity, but it's not about that with all the guardians guys, all the guys that we talk about that don't have good fastball. It's about having two really good secondaries. Bradish only has one in my view right now. So until he gets that curveball up to 25% usage and excelling, he's just a slider guy and slider guys can have that magical evening. We've seen mm. that before. We really have. But you need to have more than that if you want any consistency through a season. But maybe he could. And that's why he's on my list. Because at least he has the door and opportunity to do that. And especially yeah. if the velocity is real that he added. I don't know if it's real. It came down uh, in the start after, just so you know. But yeah, I hope it's real. That would be cool. That would be great. You, you guys know me. I just want every pitcher to be dope. Uh, all right. Yeah. We're going to move on here. Uh, we've got, mm. I guess, like, what, 20 guys left? Something like that? Something along those lines. Yeah, about, about yeah. Um, we did a little Rhodesy Contreras and Noah Syndergaard, so maybe 15. We did a little bit of a Rhodes trip. Ro I thought that's what you were going to say, road trip. Okay. Steven Matz, Zach Eflin, Carlos Carrasco, Matthew Boyd, Alex Wood, Spencer Turnbull. I'm going to say this is another tier. What is it called and why is it called that? Yeah, this tier would probably go from Steven Matz up to Ken Waldachuk. Okay, so um, then we're going to add Aaron Savali at 93 and Ken Waldachuk at 94. What's yeah. it called and why is it called that? Um, I would call it a what's like a really what's like a really sweet drink um that also kind of packs a little bit of a punch. The we'll call uh, it a, we'll call the, it a painkiller party. I was gonna say a, a frat party jungle juice. Okay, yeah, sure, something like that. Uh, I I think there's killer? a lot. Yeah, painkillers like a um, it's a Caribbean drink with rum and pineapple and um, Aww, it's, way uh, it's better very good than jungle juice. Yeah, I think it's a Jamaican. Um, anyway, um, the, a lot of these guys are just not sure. You might need to kill the pain because you're not sure how many innings uh, that you're going to get from them. But okay. they could be oh so sweet. Yeah. Um, we obviously don't need to waste any time talking about Matthew Boyd, Spencer Turnbull. I think a lot of people who don't do this every First day all, are. Hold on, stop for a second. Stop. No what? time is wasted ever talking about Matthew Boyd. Yeah, <laughs> good point. That. Very good point. Very good point. We we know how we feel. I love him. Uh, Turnbull, I think people are going to be like, oh, yeah, Spencer Turnbull. Like, I, I think it's like, obviously, it was a 50 innings pitch sample. But very frequently, we are like, well, the sample was 50 innings. So that's a good amount, right? There are plenty of metrics that stabilize over the course of 50 innings. And Spencer Turnbull was very good over those 50 innings. 
I don't think that's the person I'm obviously the person I'm most excited about for is Matthew Boyd, always and forever. But <laughs> always and forever. The person, the person, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gotta get my Boyd Boyd tattoo. The person who I actually might be most excited about who's not Matthew Boyd is is Ken Waldachuk. Ken Waldachuk's oh, no. kind of exciting. I know, and, but fast. He's not gonna get the job. Why do you think that? Who's gonna beat him out for it? JP Sears. I would be a betting man to say that that's not going to happen. Have you been following both of their springs? I, I've, been I, this, I, I've been invested in it. And Waldachuk is walking the farm while Sears mm. is doing well. I, I would bet Sears over Waldachuk. That is so ironic considering the past podcast we've had where I've talked about J.P. Sears. And I said, he should be hired. You were like, J.P. Sears? I, I, know, like, I don't like him. I, I, don't, I don't want you to have him on your fantasy team necessarily. but like, And also, it's maybe a new slider. But I, yeah, I don't think it's going to be Waldachuk. I mean, I, I very much could be wrong, and I understand all the hype about Waldachuk, good fastball up in the zone with intent. He's walked a lot of guys, and had, he's struggled. While J.P. Sears is like, hey, I'm a starter. Mm. And then you have Kyle Muller, who isn't doing quite enough. You know, he needed to be exceptional versus Waldachuk and Sears, and that's not the case for Kyle Muller. So I think it's going to be serious. He also has experience from last year. It's not like he's just some random guy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, maybe. Maybe that's the case. Uh, obviously, I can't say. Oh, no. I um, hope you're right. Uh, if he does. I'll put yeah. it this way, too. Someone wise once said that you're not drafting a best ball. Um, so maybe someone, to keep, <laughs> maybe someone to keep in mind if he does indeed start the year in the minors and then get called up. He can elevate his four-seamer. Uh, relatively well um like you said there were some command issues i th- i personally think that the, the slider i never thought i'd say this the eye test on the slider makes me think that the metrics about it are not correct like the the, the plv and the stuff plus it makes me think like i don't think it's valuing it properly when that thing is on that thing is beautiful um it would not surprise me to see him take a step Look how forward. far you've come I know it's very funny, right? You, it's like the what's it called, the um, Dunning Kruger, where it's like you like go up and then you come back down to essentially where you were in the first place. Um, he he uses his changeup a little bit oddly. He likes to kind of like elevate it, and even though he does that, that's another good example, right? I see an elevated changeup, and I'm like, I don't know about that. Um, but he had but a lot then, of success again, doing you it. You have like Lucas Giolito having success doing that. You get if you can get called strikes doing that. Yeah. And if he does that consistently, then I think actually like the driveline boys were into that. I'll, I will never call them the driveline boys again. You deserve better than that. But I uh, <laughs> the driveline men. Yeah. <laughs> um. But I. But yeah, they were. I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember when the Giolito was doing it initially, and they're like, "Yeah, this is actually something you can get a ton of called strikes with. It can work if it's your intent." Yeah. I mean, look, you've played the show. You know mm-hmm. that works. Mm. The show's a whole separate beast <laughs> entirely. No, if it works in the show, it works in, it works the in real show. life. <laughs> hey, Blake Snell, I noticed that I did this in the show and you were awesome. Oh, but you don't do- gosh. Funny to think about um, but yeah, so so hopefully Waldachuk does pan out uh, for you there. And, and what you're talking about with Spencer Turnbull, on The Athletic, they were raving about how good Spencer Turnbull is right now. 94 on his fastball. He averaged a 93.5 before. Tommy John I'm in. slider so is very in. good right now. And the last time I saw it, do you, do you remember? I doubt you do. I would be so impressed by you fast. If you remember 
my biggest talking point about Spencer Turnbull and what I wanted him to change about his approach. More sliders? I mean, always. <laughs> but that's a safe bet with everybody. I thought it was something with like the sinkers and the sliders. I don't remember. Close. It was that yeah. he was too. He was using too many sinkers instead of four seamers. His four seamers were uh, way okay, better. Okay, okay. okay. And last one I saw, I think it was like 58% four seamer and like 11% sinker. Mm. And I'm like, mm, 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 mm. that's how you do it. I'm in. I'm that's in. That's the good stuff. And I think that's a very, very interesting one. It's, it's kind of stinks. I wish they like changed the Tigers uh, stadium next year as opposed to this year. It's mm. still a, a pitcher's park, but even sure. more so. You know, Bowie deserves that after the bouncy ball, too. Like, here's a gift back for you, Matthew Boyd, because mm-hmm. I put him through so much. But yeah, Spencer Turnbull <laughs> someone that I'm very much looking at, being like, okay, especially like 15-teamers. Uh, Turnbull is also two years from free agency, so 2025. That traditionally speaks to, like, after Tommy John, you go for about 140, 150 innings. If he's doing well at the All-Star break and the Tigers are in this full-on rebuild mode, think about this. A year and a half of Spencer Turnbull, you think the Tigers are going to be going for it heavy next year this time? They might be a trade target, too. Maybe. I don't know. Honestly, in that division, they might they just be fine. Yeah, that's you're <laughs> yeah. Totally right. That's such a good point. Oh, yeah. my gosh. What is baseball? Um, all right. We, uh, we, we're going to go to the end of this. Mm-hmm. list now the last six and these are fun boys and i'm like why are these boys all the way down here because they're fun mm. now i don't have the first one on my list and i don't have this the penultimate one on my list and i'll explain um but i oh man i have to go to this meeting in a second all right we gotta wrap this up shintaro fujinami brandon font justin Steele, hayden winisneski kyle gibson and yusei kikuchi who is the one you want to talk about here fast um, I'll say real quick. I'm, I'm a little surprised you don't have Fuji. We'll talk about him a little bit more in depth. Too much of a cherry podcast bomb. tomorrow. Huh? Too much it. of a cherry. Yeah, he is for sure. But I boy, oh boy, those those whiffs are exciting. Even more I whiffs just, today. I don't trust it in this in the slightest. But yeah, keep going. Yeah. Um, but I'm just worried about innings. I'll I'll, I'll end on number. I have him. I have him better 100. Way. So there you go. We're cool there. He was actually going to be my number 100 to be oh. honest, and then I pivoted him out and I brought Kikuchi's in. Kikuchi's a fun. He's had double digit whiffs in every game. In every game. I want to say this about Yusei Kikuchi. I get it. I get all the jokes. I'm not doing this again. Every time you talk about Yusei Kikuchi, you see all the memes and the gifs of I thought I was out and they pull me back in. I totally get it. We have to acknowledge at some point that pitchers can be different people entirely year yeah, over can. year, especially <laughs> when they are especially when they are not good the year before. Yeah. He seems to have made substantive changes. I'm not going to yeah. say, hey, he went to driveline. He did, I think, but he's gone to driveline before, I believe. So it's not necessarily that. I just think that at Pitcher 100, you cannot deny the amount of whiffs that you have seen in spring training, even if exactly. it was against poorer opponents. And be- the reason I'm buying more into it is because, like I said, virtually all of the pitches have different shapes. He's yeah, almost a different pitcher. So, so I think there's enough to build off of that. He now, command is still really kind of bad, wire. but that's another story. And last sure. but not least, why on? Oh, why do you hate Hayden Wesnowski? He's an SP number five for Chicago right now with a phenomenal breaking ball. And that's it. Um, no, he yeah. actually has a decent sinker and and and, uh, and cutter as well. Yeah, there's promise. Like, the, the 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 slider is absolutely nasty. Oh my um, gosh, it's good. But the four seamer again is not great, and I don't buy that five percent walk rate. I that's a thirty one in example. I think that no, I know, but it's not going to be. It's not going to be like a nine percent walk rate like we see from other guys. 
<laughs> All right, fair enough. Well, there it is. That is Alex Fast's top 100 starting pitchers. You can check it out on the website. I have mine. I know it's a little confusing. We have Alex Fast. They have mine right next to each other. You don't know who to trust. It's up to you. It's it's good to have different perspectives, everything like that, to understand why you're going through this fast. Of course, provided blurbs every single one. It's just 11,000 words, unlike the 46,000 he said. I have them. I'm looking at him. Them, you know? I'm looking yeah, at him right looking here. At him, but you didn't. Sh- oh my god, it's not the same fast. But anyway, that is. I, do I got bad this. words in here, like pee pee and poo poo. I can't share this in the public. You just really were about to end this podcast, and you just had to get that in. <laughs> All right, that's gonna do for this episode of the On the Corner podcast. My name is Nick Pollock, and I'm Alex Fast. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Oh.